You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, welcome to U2BA. Stephen Chicken here with Dave Hartrick, as usual. Uh, not Danny Cowley this week, unfortunately. Yeah, Dave. dumped. 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 <laughs> yeah, not happy. Um, but possibly slightly happy about the result that Town got at the weekend. 1-0 yeah. against Brentford. I would say their best performance of the season. Probably their best performance for several years. Yeah, I think it's their, it's their best away win since Watford in the first year of the Premier League. And that was... That was a very different type of win, and they were on the crest of a wave and what have you. That, it, what I think was good about the Brentford game is it was a real solid game-planned yeah. performance. Um, and the, the way they set about their job I thought was quite impressive. It, it's, it's interesting that the Cowleys clearly have a home strategy and an away strategy, don't they? Yeah. And... It was it was almost the Stoke game plan, but with a lot more confidence behind it and belief. In terms of wanting to keep it tight, get a goal on the yeah. counter, definitely. In terms of the way that they actually lined up, uh, the midfield was pretty much the inverse of what mm. it was against Stoke. Because against Stoke, they had Jonathan Hogg in the, the sitting role between yeah. the two lines. So they, they were basically playing 4-1-4-1 against Stoke, with Hogg playing as the spoiler. Against Brentford, they actually played four two three one, which was more often sort of four four one one. Yeah, with Lewis O'Brien high up and Hogg was alongside Juninho Bakuna. I was yeah. slightly surprised to see yeah. kept his place um, in the midfield, and they pressed so high up the pitch. Yeah, um, I, I did a map on the five conclusions of where Town made their tackles or where they attempted tackles, and there's just this massive line about a third of the way. Yeah, um, just on the edge of the town third, where, mm. and that was clearly where they set up. Was right, that's yeah. your line. That's where we're we're cutting it out, and it worked so well. Cowley said that he it was a decision that was sort of the players made that decision. Mm. He said they put two game plans to the players, and I suspect the other one would have been the play Stoke. like we did against yeah. Stoke. And yeah. he said the players said, "No, we want to play. We think that we can disrupt them." Yeah. Um, if we press out the pitch and he said the reason that he put it to the players was because if you're going to play that way you have to have the players yeah. 100% bought into it yeah I, and I think um, what I mean when I says it was sort of like the Stoke performance is it's that it's that digging in and stopping stopping moves before they start it's yeah. not necessarily about going hell for leather and trying to score it's about patience and it's about like you say spoiling mm. you know as soon as they get the ball in a certain area of the pitch. It's about going over there and doubling up on your danger man. It's about trying to win the ball. It's about, let's be honest, give away the foul in the right area yeah. rather than the wrong one, which is something Town have, have suffered with this this season even. Even on the good run, they do give away some silly free oh, kicks. You think of West Brom, the number yeah. of set pieces they yeah. gave away against West Brom. And it was a lot more discipline. And I think it's worth a word on Bakuna, who... Uh, He's a funny player, Bakuna, because me and you, before the season started, waxed lyrical that he was going to be one of the best midfielders in this league. He had a terrible start. There were personal reasons for that. Comes off the bench in three games and is he's, he's the match winner, essentially, yeah. the game changer. What he needs to bring to his game is, you know, Cowley talked about, they've told him simplicity is genius, etc. There were signs against Brentford that that discipline's coming back. Yeah, he doesn't feel the need to get the ball and then Gerard it 40 yards out to a wide man or, you know, go on some rampaging run, which while he may go past a couple of players, leaves a massive hole behind him. And I think it's important, almost more important at the moment for Baguna to not be scoring assisting, but to be working on that side of his game, mm. you know, just get those those... Get the, the basics right again. Because we know he can do it in the final Yeah, third well, this already. is exactly it. 
he's got that side of his game. The, the reason he wants to sort of Gerard Ball's left, right and centre is because he knows he can do it. Yeah. But you've got to have A, teammates who read that and B, your radar's got to be working. You've got to be 100% match fit. So I thought it was interesting that it was a much more disciplined performance from him. And when I say discipline, I mean he also managed to keep his head because yeah. often he's a player who he flies into one challenge, takes the man out, but then he feels aggrieved about it. <laughs> he gets pulled up on it and that lives with him for five minutes. And he's got a, there's nothing wrong with a bit of natural aggression, um, but Town have Jonathan Hogg to do that role. Mm. So Bakuna needs to do something different. And I thought it was a, a really, it was like a six or seven out of 10 performance but that's what he needs to do every week. Yeah. And he gets the eights and nines when he can join the two sides of his game together. So yeah, I thought it was good. And I think I think it's worth spending a minute talking about town defensively again because yeah. this is I I think more than anything else, this is the big change under Cowley. It's not just Danny Simpson, is it? No. That's the thing. It's it's unity across the back four, it's organisation. And it's trust, you know, all four of that back four trust each other to do the job they're supposed to do so they can get on with their own job. Mm. And it shows, and I mean, Town have gone from a team that every team in the division thought, well, we'll score against them, to how are we going to break that line of four down Mm. and the two in front of them or the one in front of them or sometimes even the three in front of them. And that goes a long, long way in this league against good sides, you know? Yeah, the, the whole back four were, were excellent. Uh, Jaden, to be fair, the first sort of 20 minutes, uh, Brentford were able to get down the side, particularly up, up Jaden Brown's side. Jaden Brown actually went off after about an hour. I think it was either just before or just after the, the Grant goal. And, and Flo Haddish and I actually came on mm. um, and, and did absolutely fine um, mm. playing at left back. Danny Simpson got the sort of the pre-assist for, yeah. for the Grant goal, but uh, and Tommy Elphick put in possibly his best performance for town, yeah. and, and that's you know I thought he was excellent against Stoke as well, mm. but he was brilliant. He he had a moment where he <laughs> he clattered into Ollie Watkins, yeah, and then sort of squatted back over him yeah. to stop him from getting back up, and you could see watching the replays back. Ollie Watkins had a horrible day playing against yeah. him and, and Schindler who Christopher Schindler watching that game back I gave him an 8 on the day I think watching it again I might have given him a 9 to be honest mm. if I was doing it again because he stepped out of the defence so often just yeah. not not like 20 yards towards the halfway line but just a couple of steps to cut out the yeah. ball so calm get rid of it but again that uh, that confidence to step out and that confidence to take the extra touch on the ball and look to bypass the two defensive midfielders and get it forward again. Mm. And we talked about him hitting that diagonal before, but that comes from knowing the bloke he's playing next to Mm. is quite confident playing six feet behind him. And that's what, you know, I spoke about it on the pod before, that's what Tommy Elphick wants to do. Tommy Elphick doesn't want to dribble it out of defence past a a striker and strike a 35-year-old, a 35-yard ball. He wants to head balls away you know he wants somebody to drive a car at him so he can head it away that's what he wants to do and I think I know I'm a massive Elphick fan (laughs) and I know a lot of town fans aren't but I think it's about balance and I think it takes a while to form partnerships and to understand what you want but you look at Elphick and Schindler now and you have Schindler as as the the cream on top if you like Mm. and and Elphick does your dirty work I, there, you know, there was a moment where he put that cross just over the bar, Elphick, and the contact said, oh, nearly an own goal. And I thought, no, do you know what? That was an excellent header in that yeah. position, to be fair. Yeah. And I think that's what he suffers with sometimes because he is your last-ditch man. He's your last-ditch defender. He, yeah. He's the one who wants to be, you know, throwing himself at the ball. He's the Jamie Carragher and yeah. Chindler's the Sammy Hoopier. I always use Liverpool analogies, but it's true. Or the Vidich to the Ferdinand. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So, I, you know, to, to just come away from the game a minute, this is why I think suddenly Congolo finds himself quite away from that first team because I wouldn't break that partnership up. 
because mm -hmm. I think the minute you do, you're going to see Schindler not regress to the mean, but I think you're going to see Schindler get some of the worries back and he's going to lose that ability to step out. Yeah. And I think Jaden Brown's doing brilliantly. Yeah. Hopefully, well, hopefully he's going to be fit. Uh, it was a kick to the ankle that he got and they, yeah. when I spoke to Kelly afterwards he said he was hoping it was just an impact yeah and the, the, a young defender the very best thing you can do with a young defender when they're in form is just keep them playing yeah just keep them playing so it, it, it the, it's amazing how the picture shifts really quickly mm. <laughs> and it's amazing how suddenly you look at that town team sheet and we're going to talk about a sort of midfield quandary coming up and how do you play that front line? Jeff Grant in the middle, Cam in the middle. That back five, including the keeper, is absolutely set in stone, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it's, it's only going to be injury that's going to change it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I know the fans as were still, before the Brentford game, when we did the team selector, were still like, put Congolo back in. But I just, yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't at all. I wouldn't break that, that, that line Congolo at all. Why, why is a better central defender yeah, than Tommy yeah, yeah. Elphick. But... If you get that out of Christopher Schindler because he likes playing next to Tommy Elphick, keep Tommy Elphick in there. Yeah. I mean, Town have conceded, what, two goals in... Is it I was seven? just looking. Uh, they've, I think it's three in their last five. Yeah. Um, and I was, the, the, I was just on my phone there and I was trying to think. Earlier this season, their big problem was they conceded late on in games. Mm. Uh, I think the first eight games, they conceded something like 10 goals in yeah. the last 30 minutes of games. They've only conceded one goal in the last 30 minutes of games yeah. since the West Brom game. Mm. And I mean, not only that, you look at the goals they have conceded since this unit's come in. You know, the Millwall goal was an individual error from the keeper. Yeah, one and of the Blackburn goals is as well. One of the Blackburn games is, is an individual error from Elphick. It's not, they're not getting broken down. They're not, you know, in normal phases of play, they're fine and they're confident. And again, you know, again, not to be... Not to make apologises for my Tommy, but <laughs> the Blackburn goal I talked about on the last pod, he's been asked to play a certain way. So, you know, I think even Cowley would look at that and go, fair enough, really. You know, mm. Alisson against Liverpool, we yeah. uh, against Leicester, we talked about it. That's how they want the goalkeepers to play. So it's, it's a big thing, that defence. Simpson is solid, offers lots of running. Brown is really confident, offers lots of running. Schindler and Elphick work together. Uh, you know, if, if you were Danny Cowley, yeah. you would literally have five names on your team sheet before mm. you even began to consider anything else for probably the next three or four games, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it was a really good performance. It was a really good, solid performance. Town have also learned, I think, under Cowley that, you, you know, you don't have to play with the ball, do you? No. In fact, I would say, and we, we said it a few weeks ago, but I think they look better away from home yeah. than they do at home. Miles better, because when they have a lot of the ball, they often get into the final third. They it's don't know the what to do with it. the creativity problems come back, don't they? Yeah. But if they are sort of starved on the ball and they draw teams onto them, yeah. and they did a really good job of that. I, I broke down the goal sort of step by step the goal that, that Grant scored against Brentford, they did a really good job drawing Brentford out yeah. because they went all the way back to... They had Hogg won the ball on the edge of the Brentford box and Town went all the way back to Grabara mm. just to draw... Because there was yeah. nothing there when Hogg won it. That they couldn't get... They knew, he looked up mm. and uh, it went back to Elphick. Elphick had a look as well. It's like, well, there's you yeah. know eight players in mm. the Brentford third here. So he went back to Grabara. Brentford pushed forward. They got almost the halfway line. Before they knew it, Simpson was putting that ball yeah. in behind for Campbell, who did really well to sort of time his run. He just about stayed on side, mm. timed his run, slipped it back to Grant, and Grant mm. knocked it in. The, their intelligence is, is getting there. Cowley mm. said he wants the players to be deep thinkers and he wants them to be like coaches on the pitch. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that the, the gamesmanship, sort of the dark arts away from home, if yeah. you want to call it that, um, it is something that Cowley teams have a bit of a reputation for. It's not something I've ever... I know it It drives certain certain people mad. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that is when your team is doing it, you're delighted to see it happen. Well, the, the Blackburn game, we we talked about it. They, they weren't... There were players there who weren't outright diving. Mm. But 
a touch and they were going down to win the free kick. Yeah. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think what they had looked at in particular was like, you know, not getting that penalty decision against Millwall mm. when Diakabi gets shoved in the back. If you can't beat them, yeah. join them. And I think this is, you've got to do it cleverly. And I think at Blackburn, they were far too obvious at times with some of the time wasting and some of the trying to win free kicks. At Brentford, it were a bit more, you know, there was a bit more nous to yeah. it. Um, it completely takes the air out of the, the opposition. Precisely, fans, that's the home fans. It's the game plan, isn't it? Just yeah. spoil. Just spoil everything, you know. As soon as it gets to a certain player, get on him. As soon as it gets into a certain area, get on him. But that going back to the goal, that thing about bringing Brentford out again, you know, without wishing to labour a point, you got to have a back four that you trust yeah. and that you believe in, so that if you do draw players on and lose the ball, you think you can deal with that situation. And that's the big difference with Town because. Under Jan, you know, two or three games into the season, they were situations they concede from. Yeah. Give the ball away in a good area and suddenly blind panic. Yeah. And even that West Brom game, yeah. that was very, very evident in the second half. You know, give the ball away in a certain area and every single person was just in a blind state of panic. So the, the change in a relatively short space of time is extraordinary, really. Yeah, it is. It's just as well because we talked last week or a couple of weeks ago about that difficult run that they're on. Uh, Preston are up mm. next. Uh, they were briefly top of the table mm. before West Brom went and won on Monday night. And they're the, the division's top scorers. Scored 28 goals already this season and 22 of them have been at home. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a huge ask because they are, they are a really good side. But they've lost Ben Pearson. He's yeah. suspended for the game and... He is, uh, you know, genuinely a really, really good midfielder. The only problem with that is Ben Pearson is suspended about three times a season. I think he's the most booked player in the championship since about 2016. So Preston are actually quite adept to not having him to call on. And the game plan will be exactly the same, I think, Steve. Yeah. It will be to, to spoil, to take the air out, like you say, to just try and stop them getting into rhythm. But... I think Preston are a bit of a different prospect to Brentford and I I suspect if you to use a cliche if you offered Danny Cowley a point I suspect he'd snap your hand off. Yeah. We'll we'll see who knows. What how do they set up Preston? I haven't got to the point of looking into them yet. Still only They've got quite a bit of variety. They they're quite they Brentford look to play really really quickly, which mm. is why Town had the game plan of just try and stop and get them into the rhythm. Preston are a little bit slower, but they, they've got, they, like you say, they've got goals in them. Mm. So they've got a lot of variety. They're quite adept at Alex Neal, who's their manager. Obviously, he's had a little bit of recent turmoil, but that seems to be sorted. I was I was a bit annoyed about that because Town could have done with that going into this week, really. <laughs> the Stokelings. Yeah, the Stokelings. Because yeah. you know Why what would happens. he move to Stoke at this uh, point? Well, it'd be absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. But... Alex Neal is actually quite good at putting a little bit of flexibility into his side and yeah. changing things and altering things. And I suspect against Town, he will know that Town are going to set up essentially with a line of four and then two to make it a six. So I suspect the game plan from Preston will be to come on quite heavy right from the start to just try and build, even if Town knock them out of the rhythm, to just try and build some pressure and put them back. The other thing Preston do is they, they win a lot of free kicks, mm. a lot of free kicks, and they like to load the box up. So Town are going to have to be a little bit careful. Yeah, there. they struggled with that against Middlesbrough yeah. in particular. That, that, I think, for me, is probably my biggest source of worry for Town. I think Preston are the sort of side who could expose them. But they, they, I think you can get at Preston, don't get me wrong. They're not absolutely brilliant. They're not this, you know... They're not like Holland from the 70s or anything. <laughs> but I think they represent a, a very different challenge to what Town have faced so far. They're a very different side to Brentford. And I think Brentford are the best side Town have, have faced. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. But I wouldn't, if you're a Town fan going over there, I wouldn't expect a sort of wonderful swashbuckling end-to-end -end game. I think it's going to be Town dig in 
and then just try and look for that mm. look for that break look to get it to grant or campbell on a on a run and and see what they can do i mean i'm i'm loath to sort of predict anything with town at the yeah. moment because i wouldn't have thought they would have gone to brentford and got those three points but it, it is a big ask. <laughs> I would say I was. Uh, the, I did the program notes for the for the Brentford game, and I did predict the one 0 win for Town. So, there you so go. I think it's the first one I've got right all season. So excellent. So <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a massive game. You mentioned Pearson suspended. Town have got Jonathan Hogg suspended. Mm-hmm. He's picked up five bookings this season, which you know you'd expect he is a one book in every three games type player. It's it's not necessarily a criticism of him, it's part of his job. Yeah. It literally is part of his job. Um, Particularly in this system that we've talked about away from home. Because he he is always going to pick a booking up because when the situation when there's an overload and it starts to look dangerous, his literal job is to foul the man. Yeah. (laughs) It's the tactical foul. So but I I don't know where you stand on this, Steve, but I actually think this is quite a convenient suspension. In what regard, Dave? I think Town have midfield options mm-hmm. and they want to look at potentially bringing Pritchard back in. Yeah. They want to keep Bakunia having a run in the side. Um, they've got O'Brien who can function higher up. Can't or drop can O'Brien, sit, yeah. Which they can't drop. They've got Chalabar who has not been in his best form since he's come to town, but he's still a very effective weapon. And the thing about Chalabar setting up against Preston, who do like a set piece, you think his height would be very, very helpful. My only problem with that is sometimes I don't think he uses his height Mm. as well as he could. So I actually think a while Danny Cowley would love to have Hogg available, I think it gives him a very convenient excuse to try something different and maybe get Pritchard into that side mm. um, which they've talked about relentlessly since yeah. they got there haven't they yeah. you know how good a player he is how good that it'll be when he's back how they want to see him as a 10 how mm. they think he can do this that and the other so I think it might be Pritchard time <laughs> yeah to try and work him in there what's your take yeah so if you played Pritchard you dropped Lewis O'Brien back into the two as you say it depends what formation he plays as well mm. if he sticks with the 4-3-3 three, three, I don't think you can play Pritchard. No, at no, all. I'd agree. Um, so it does depend on it being a four-two-three-one. If it's four-two-three-one, you can, as you say, either put Pritchard in there, drop O'Brien back into alongside Bakuna, or you could just do the straight swap. Yeah. Uh, Chalabar for sorry, Chaloba. <laughs> I did a piece on pronunciations yesterday. Chaloba. Um, Chaloba could go in as a straight stop for Hog. The other one that I put on there is that, or you could play him as the six in the four-three-three, which yeah. is what he was signed to play. Because yeah. Jan initially was minded to actually play Hoggy as the as an eight, weirdly, mm-hmm. and and put Chalabar as the six. He was meant to be their quarterback in. That's what he was signed to do. So yeah. it's, it is an opportunity to get him back into that role because it's, it's fair to say that he has struggled in that more box-to-box mm. role in the midfield three. The other one is Jan Stankovic. Uh, who yeah. has played? See, you're you're puffing your your cheeks out. I'm not. I'm, I'm not a massive Stankovic fan. I go back to that moment in the Lincoln game mm. when uh, he was he was playing with Romario Edwards Green, who's a very young player, um, new to the new to the professional game. Mm. Akinde for Lincoln was is a is a great big unit who wants to shove you about, push you off the ball. Get, get in and around you and Stankovic basically passed him off to Edmund Green and halfway through the first half essentially I just can't deal with him and I just thought hang on you're the experienced mm. one here you're the one who's supposed to be oh, I'll have him in my pocket here mm. and I think with Stankovic I think he's fine but I think he's far more limited yeah. than some of the other options but might be a bit more defensively solid he, yeah. He, in fact, the, I did a poll, uh, basically put those four options forward, and then put a poll on on the website, and I was really surprised. It ended up being Pritchard is is the putting Pritchard in as yeah. the favoured option for the fans, but it was f- much much closer than I thought. Mm. Uh, a lot of fans were saying put Stankovic in because I, I think he did really well against Wolves last season playing that defensive midfield role. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, it, again, it depends how they play. But I would, I would go with a four-two-three-one on paper that essentially becomes almost like a four-four-one-one. Yeah, and I would keep Pritchard yeah. high. You can't play Stankovic in that. No, I would keep Pritchard high behind Campbell, pressing the defence and pushing high, and keep that system of of Kachunga and Grant left and right. So you'd stick who, with yeah, I because I think in that I think that sort of game is tailor made for him because yeah, that game is not going to be about uh, you know what you can do going forward. It's about retaining your shape and retaining solid. So I, I'd lay it out as a four-two-three-one, but as soon as you lose possession, it becomes that four-four-one-one. But keep Pritchard and, and Campbell high, so mm. you have an outlet, so that you know Schindler can hit that diagonal. And so that you can, you can get out, and I think if you do that, that two for me has to be O'Brien and Bakuna at the moment. Yeah. And the thing is, I I said to you a few weeks ago, suddenly Town's bench looks incredibly strong. Yeah. And if you think about doing that, and you have got Stankovic, you have got Chaloba, <laughs> um, as options there. You've got if you want to try and change the game, uh, if you go one nil down. You've got Diakabi to bring on for Kachunga and suddenly to try and press the defence and have a proper three up there. I, I think that probably offers more flexibility. But the, the 4 3 3, it, again, there's two ways to play a 4 3 3 because a 4 3 3 can essentially become like a 4 5 1, yeah. essentially. So it. it it almost scared is the wrong word, but it depends how how scared Danny Cowley is of Preston hurting them really, yeah. as as to how he wants to do. If there's a time to be brave, it's now when yeah. you're on a run like this. But at the same time, you don't want to go and try something and be three nil down at half time. Yeah. So I didn't actually answer your question. I would go with Pritchard as well, just mm. for the record. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's. It's quite an interesting game because I think we're going to find out a bit more about Danny Cowley's philosophy in this mm -hmm. game because this is uh, a proper test. And have you watched that coach's voice thing about when they when they beat Bolton? Mm. Um, and he was talks it Bolton about, or was it Burnley? I thought it was Bolton. Okay. They may have beaten both actually. Yeah. I think you're right. I think they did beat but beat Burnley, Burnley in the cup. They definitely did beat Burnley and, in the but, cup. And I think they have beaten Bolton as well. Okay. Um, but he talks very, very specifically about the roles the players had and where they identified weak spots. And I, I suspect he might be approaching this game in a, with a very detailed, specific game plan. Yeah, which he does every game, to mm. be fair. And it's then, it's whether that game plan is still in place at an hour and you can change it and try something else. Or, you know, football being football, sometimes five minutes in, <laughs> your week's works out the window, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, interesting game. Yeah, no, very, very excited. Uh, just as a side note as well, Town haven't won at Deepdale for 50 years almost to the day. If the game was played on Sunday, it would be 50 years to the day. So see if we can uh, stop that from becoming yeah, exactly 50 years. I, I think there's no getting away from the fact that a draw yeah. would be a really good result. Yeah. I, Every away game in the Championship, I think that's yeah. the case. So. Yeah. But particularly, as you say, playing against a better opposition who were... Yeah, absolutely flying at home. The no, as yeah. I say, the number of goals they've scored at home, 22 in eight, is, mm. is obscene. So. They've, got the, they've got loads of ways to hurt you. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. So I think, I think he has to go with a 4-2-3-1 that, as I said, essentially becomes a five or a four in front of a defence as and when. And they've got players who are, seem to be comfortable doing that. You mentioned the town bench looking strong. Kean Harrett was a surprise inclusion against Brentford. The 17-year-old, he signed his first professional contract the day before the game yeah. and then made the trip down. Apparently, he didn't know until they were basically at the ground right. on the bus that he was going to be playing because they'd taken Josh Caroma as well. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, it was only when they were on the approach to Griffin Park that Cowley mm -hmm. told him that he was going to be on the bench. Didn't make it onto the pitch, but he's potentially a, a very exciting prospect. Yeah, he's he's one of the ones that everybody's talking about, and he I think he got was it thirty one goals, thirty one or thirty two, yeah, yeah, for the um, underage teams last year. And you know, everybody, we were even talking to Mel, weren't we, before yeah. the game, uh, the last home game. Mel was was um, had seen him a couple of times and was saying, yeah, it's a really good prospect. And I think 
Again, though, I think it, it says a lot about the Cowleys that they see a player like that who's scoring a million goals in youth football. You know, get him... Being a professional footballer is about so much more than 90 minutes on the pitch. It's yeah. about getting used to travelling down on a coach and being in the group and, you know, sitting on a bench and sitting in a dressing room. And all, all these other things that you want players to be comfortable in, all these situations... So I, you know, I I think credit to them for doing it, and I'd like. Let's let's be honest. We have to be slightly careful what we say because we don't want to annoy anyone. But, you know, Mooney, I don't think has got a future at this football club longer term. Mm. So if you've got a young player, he, who, he was he was out with a foot injury apparently. By the way, so yeah, just but, to just to yeah. But what I mean is if you've got a young player here who's really quick, likes cutting inside, scores a lot of goals, natural finisher, plays a lot like Carlin yeah. Grant, actually. Right. From what I've seen. He's, le yeah, left-footed, penalty box. He's definitely a yeah. poacher. He's, he's, yeah. I think he's a more pure poacher than Carlin Grant. I think he's, he's uh, I don't think he's one who's going to drop deep and look no. to take on players from no, out he wants, he's on No, he's a front foot player. Yeah. So I think if you've got a player like that and he fits your system, mm. which he would, and let's be honest, Mooney at the moment doesn't fit that front three, mm. yeah, get it, you know, have him as an option. Yeah. And let's hope Town get a bit of a dolly of an FA Cup third round draw and he can have an actual run out in a game. That would be, be great. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, it's a bit like Fraser Campbell coming in. It, it, whatever you say, fans love to see one of their own yeah. on the pitch. He is a, he's born and raised in Barnsley, but he has, uh, yeah, as I say, he joined the academy last summer. And yeah, yeah. As we've seen with Lewis O'Brien, it doesn't. It's not so much where you're actually from. Lewis O'Brien's from from Rochdale, but it's, yeah. it's uh, yeah, as you say, kids I, coming through the academy. That's what you want to see. You want to see your academy is yeah. working, particularly particularly given that they changed the structure of that academy. Yeah. Um, a few years ago quite controversially it's interesting that, that Danny Cowley's actually been quite complimentary about that mm. because I, I know that they when they came in they that was one of the things they will have looked at along with David Webb but when we've asked Cowley about it he said he thinks it's actually a good thing that they're doing things differently because yeah. they're surrounded by so many club leads and Man U and yeah. like their catchment area there's so many big clubs that, are, that they can't compete mm. with they are intentionally looking for, I believe they look for players who are perhaps at the younger end of their age group, for instance, yeah. because there's a massive bias towards players who are at the, the start of the school year because yeah. they're bigger. That, and they, they are intentionally looking for players that, that other, looking for things that other clubs might have missed. They did it with Jaden Brown as well, mm. getting him in from Spurs, and it turns out that was a massive coup. Yeah, and I, I think that's the way Town have to operate. I, like... It's interesting you said he was left-footed because I've seen a lot of him and I'd say he's quite naturally two-footed because I there wouldn't have said he was left-footed, you see. Yeah. So, that yeah. again, that's another good sign. Yeah. Very good sign. He I'd loves say. to find the top corner as well. I've noticed he, he likes a yeah, Shearer-esque blast. Yeah, <laughs> but he, he likes to do the... Uh, the Grant comparison I'm making is because he really does like the step over, come yeah. inside and try and bend it into that corner. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, I, you know, he's think he's a good prospect. But I think Town have to do things that way, and it's it's worth talking a bit about Carlin Grant because yes. in Carlin Grant we got transfer links this very morning. Mm. But Town as a club, how they have to operate? They've bought him for two million quid, mm -hmm. and they might get twenty million quid for him. Yeah, and that's that's reality of how town have to operate they're, and a, they're a trading club for phil Huffington yeah, has been quite you know, upfront about that getting 18 million for phil billing as an academy prospect is exactly what yeah. town want to do so this is the thing about someone like Harry. if he is going to be a really really good player longer term town want to get two three good seasons out of him mm. and sell him for x amount of million that's how they have to operate The transfer links for Grant this morning. 
yeah, Bournemouth are the latest ones. We've had Wolves earlier this week as well. I've written a piece that I just put out after we start, uh, just before we started recording about basically if you're a Premier League club and you're not looking at Carlin Grant, you're not doing your job. You, mm-hmm. You're <laughs> stupid, basically. Unless you're Liverpool, maybe. Yeah. Um, or Man City. <laughs> you, he's if you look at sort of the the best English goal scorers, particularly if you filter by young ones mm-hmm. who are playing in sort of the top three divisions in England. He's up there in the top yeah. three or five. He's, uh, it's something we're going to have to get used to, isn't it, these transfer links? Yeah, and, you know, let, let's be honest, if he has a season, I mean, he's tracking to score like 26, 27 goals this season. And if he does that, it's going to be a very tough prospect for town to keep holding him over the summer. Because, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're a sort of mid-tier Premier League side who can afford to spend 20 million quid on somebody who scored 26, 27 goals. I mean, I make no secret the fact I'm a Brighton fan. We signed Neil Mope from Brentford yeah. um, in a deal that's going to be worth, I think, up to about 26 million quid if he hits all his targets. But he's hit the ground running and he's already scoring goals yeah. for Brighton and winning them points. So you're exactly right. If you're in that sort of mid-tier of, Premier League clubs, why wouldn't you look at Carl yeah. and Grant? But I, I think I think what t- town fans don't need to worry right now. I mean, yeah. I would be the only way he goes in January is if town get an amount of money where, let's be honest, they could probably go and replace him with maybe two players, possibly mm. even three players. Mm. So I think that would they'd have to deem that acceptable. I mean, if if someone comes in with twenty six million quid for Carl and Grant. Town have to accept that. Yeah, they have to. They paid two million quid for him, but I, I think there might be a little bit of posturing to get a little bit more money, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely fair enough. Because if anyone deserves a little bump on their contract at the moment, it's absolutely Carl and Grant. But I, he also, I, I don't know your take on this, Steve, but he also strikes me as a character who he likes to see a job through, and mm-hmm. I would be, I'd be surprised if he went. Bear in mind he went in January last season when he was part of a sort of, you know, in air quotes project at mm. Charlton, which went very successfully, let's be honest. I think he'll want to at least see this season through with town. Yeah. And then summer is the summer and who knows. Yeah. But I, ju- I just can't see a world where he goes in January. I think unless... it would, yeah, I agree. I think it would take a spectacular turn of events yeah. for him and to it, leave. And if Town get 26 million quid for a player, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they were talking about 10 in on the Sun on Sunday, and it's like... It's, no, the, no, no chance. Uh, no, exactly. No chance. I mean, it, if Phil Hodgkinson got an offer of 10 million for, Phil, uh, for Carl and Grant, he wouldn't even dignify it with a no. response. No. And, and Phil's... But Phil's a businessman. You know, there is a level where he has to look at it. Yeah. And as I said, I, if you got a level of money where you could go and buy two players. And the other thing is, like, even if they, get, if they get an offer of 25 million on deadline day, I don't think they'd take it because mm. they know they haven't got then the chance to go yeah. and replace him. Yeah. So, I, I, but I do think there's going to be a lot of this. You mentioned Watford, you said, oh, outside I keep getting Wolves and Watford mixed up hmm. you know Watford are yeah. the exact club he could go to yeah I still think he looks like that striker Newcastle spend 25 million quid on and absolutely ruin you know <laughs> it, it, it's there are loads of clubs in the Premier League that would snap your hat your hand off yeah for Carl and Grant but you know that's credit to town because they yeah. found him played him mm-hmm. and he scored goals in a really in, let's be honest, in a bad team last season. Yeah, and the start of this season. So he's he's. Have you looked at his underlying stats? Yeah, I have done. Yeah, he's he's really is quite consistent. Yeah, yeah. You know, his his chance conversion, etc. Is he doesn't it doesn't seem to affect him. The move the move out wide hasn't affected him really. Yeah. The move up from League One to the Premier League barely affected no. him. Like it's. Don't, the other interesting thing was when Danny Cowley was talking about him and was saying, you know, he is really, really hard on himself. After that Middlesbrough game, he was yeah. apparently furious with how he played and right. what have you. Um, but he, but he, but likewise, he also said that after um, the Barnsley game, where he was excellent, he said, I was really impressed that he, um, he said top players will have a good game and then work 
just as hard yeah. like in training the following week. He said good players will rest on their laurels a bit, top players keep yeah. going in training and work just as hard after they've had a good, good game as they yeah. have after a bad one. And he said Carlan has been working like up there before ahead of the Brentford game mm. and obviously then got the reward for it on Saturday. I think he's he's a model pro and he's a big he's a big influence in that dressing room as well. Yeah. Like he, even in the summer when he'd been there for sort of five months um, in, in Austria people were saying to me oh he's the he's like the social the party planner yeah he's like yeah he's like yeah he's like completely central to the, mm. the social scene at, at town not in a not in a bad way <laughs> either I, I hasten to add he's, he's a very popular character and yeah I, I, I agree I, I really can't see it happening in January bar some absolutely remarkable turn of events but it's then whether going into the summer I think it depends where town are if they Come anything close to mounting yeah. a playoff push, which is a big if, uh, and will be you'll get a bit of audio from Andy Booth in a minute uh, as a surprise there, <laughs> uh, unless you've read the description. To be fair, um, Andy Booth sort of jokes. Well, not even I don't think he's even really joking <laughs> that, that if they can consolidate till Christmas and then push for the playoffs in the new year, mm. I think if they can do that, they could probably give Carlin Grant a nice new contract and convince him that it's worth yeah. giving it one more year. The, th- the only problem with that is that my I, I, I think this is slightly defeatist planning and it's a, it's a funny way to think about it, but if you've got a player who, who goes and gets you all those goals, you desperately want him to stay, but what town don't want to do the following year is set off like a steam train. Carlon Grant gets 15 goals before January. But then you know you get a mega offer in that you have to accept, mm. and suddenly in January you're left with trying to fill 15 goals in your side. It's not January is a terrible market. It is mm. an awful, terrible, horrible transfer market. Everybody is overpriced. Mm-hmm. The only players agitating for moves are doing it for a reason. So you've got to look at them and say, well, personality-wise, are they what we want in this team? I, I sort of think if he gets 26, 27 goals this season, I just he he won't he won't stay with Town over the summer because he will get Town will get a brilliant offer. He will get a brilliant offer. I mean, Bournemouth he could go there and fit in now. Well, Tommy Elphick <laughs> actually, funnily enough, said he really reminds me of Callum Wilson. Yeah. So, and I mean, Wilson is sort of perpetually linked with Chelsea and various other sides. And I think he's a fine striker, but who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen? But the thing that... Carl and Grant is also... I think we're sort of in danger of, you know, Joe calling him and making him this, this, <laughs> yeah. this messy-like figure. He's got a lot of... There are a lot of areas on his game that he needs to work on. The one thing he's got cracked is finishing. Yeah. <laughs> his finishing is brilliant. Yeah. And his knows for a goal, you know, for that situation. Yeah. When, his timing is perfect. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, where, and playing out on the left, that really comes into play because it's like I said to you, he the defender can show him wide for 89 minutes, but mm. if he gets one chance to come in, cut inside and take that shot on, he will score. Mm. He will score. But there are aspects of his game he needs to work on, you know, that if you are going to play him left, He's done a pretty solid job for town working back, but you know it's the job of a long distance runner. He, he needs to he needs to just get a little bit more around his game that side, and he needs to do a little bit more outside the box in terms of bringing players in and his passing, etc. But he's exactly the sort of character that you know will know that and will be working on that on like a weekly basis. And I I, I mean I rarely do this, but. Having seen so much of him, I sort of sit there and think, well, there's a young man that in two years' time, if he hasn't got an England cap, I'll be yeah. absolutely staggered. Yeah. Staggered. And he, I mean, without being rude, but he won't get that at Huddersfield Town. And he'll know that. You know, Cowley has talked about how ambitious Garland is and mm. how he wants to push himself and he wants to get to the top level. But you can't, as football fans, you can't, when you have a player like that, you can't worry about the future and you can't read no. the paper and think, oh, he's going to go to war. Just Walsh. enjoy him. Just enjoy him. Yeah. You know, while you've got him, just enjoy the fact you've got... I mean, I don't think there's a better striker in the Championship, Steve. No, I don't think so. And no. Not no one that I've seen this season, certainly. 
And uh, the other, you see, the other side to it is that he's so he, he offers Cowley so much flexibility because he can play in a two, he can play left, he can play through the middle on his own. Brilliant. Like yeah. I say, just enjoy it. Don't certainly don't worry about reports in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Fantastic. Right. Well, we're going to um, move into the interview with Andy Booth. So thank you for. Hang on, have I been dumped again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm moving on now, Dave. Uh, but yeah, thank you for joining us as usual. Um, but I, I did catch up with Andy Booth at the John Smith Stadium on Tuesday afternoon. We spoke a bit about the Cowleys, and there is a chance for you to meet Boothie as well, which he'll tell you a bit about. So here's that Me? interview. Can I meet him? Can you meet him? You yeah. can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know. Exciting, isn't it? So just going to go into it now. How are things? How, how, do, how do you feel town are going in recent weeks? A lot better than it, than it a couple of months ago. Uh, obviously, it's been a, it's been a, a good few weeks uh, since since Danny and Nicky have have come 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 into the club. We've definitely seen a, a massive improvement, even even in the first few games. Uh, obviously, we didn't get the we didn't get the results we wanted, but uh, you could just see a change in in the the atmosphere on the pitch and, and off the pitch, uh, which obviously definitely needed need, needed it. Uh, but these last last few games, uh, the the players have. Have been fantastic, and it's uh, it, it's good. You can see the club's going in the right direction now, and and everybody's feeling a lot more positive than they did five or six weeks ago. As you say, you can feel it as well, can't you? When you're sort of knocking around the tunnel or knocking around the the training ground, and you just feel like it's that that confidence is back in the team. Right? It, it, it is, and and you've got to give uh, Danny and Nicky a, a massive, more well, massive credit for that because. From where we were, it's it's not easy to pick a team up so quickly. Uh, the lads were you could tell they'd lost they'd lost the confidence. Uh, and sometimes it's it's easy to pick a team up when when you're scoring goals and you're nearly winning games. But we weren't anywhere near scoring scoring goals, so we we couldn't we couldn't win a game. Uh, so obviously it meant because the team weren't scoring, the the lads' confidence were, were were shot. And and me being a striker, I know what it's like when you've not scored for quite a quite a while uh, your, your head's down and you, you're wondering when your next goal's coming from so so for, for the management team to have come come in and change it round like they have done they, they deserve a lot of credit and, and as I say you can, you can see the atmosphere off off the field the, the, the fans the, the, obviously they were happy with the appointment straight, straight away but they're even happier now and, yeah. and it, it is it's we're, like I said we're definitely heading in the right direction but we're positive, and now I'm talking to a, a fan this morning and, and saying, "Let's just consolidate till Christmas and then push for the playoffs." So <laughs> it's looking a lot better. It's incredible, given that we were talking about sort of avoiding relegation just a few weeks ago, isn't it? It is, it is, and I know we can't get carried away, but yeah. it did look like we we're in a relegation re- relegation fight, and now hopefully we we won't be be in that. And I think we're fully confident that we'll all we'll be looking up the table rather rather than down over the next. What four or five months? Yeah, as you say, you know a thing or two about scoring goals yourself. Obviously, Carline Grant has been in exceptional form. Scored again against Brentford. What do you make of that? That is 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 it's not amazed me. But when I didn't know a lot about him when he obviously I'd heard about him when he was at Charlton and the goals he'd scored. Uh, but for him to come in last season into the Premier League to, to which was a massive massive step step up for him and to come in and score score goals in a team that was struggling in the Premier League not scoring goals it just shows what a good striker he is and then obviously in the Championship again like we're talking first six seven weeks when we were struggling he was the one who was still chipping in with the, with the, with the goals and then just so you see these last few weeks he scores all kinds of goals as well. Scores, scores cracking goals and, and tapping. So no, I've been really impressed with him, and I think this talk about Premier League clubs look, looking looking at him now, which is always a great sign. People say, "Oh, we don't want that," but it shows he's doing well. Yeah. And uh, he's and the, he's one of them that you can you can see twenty twenty five goals this this season. And if and if you can get a man like that. And then you get the rest of the lads chipping in around him. You're in with a good shout. You know you've got somebody there who's going to consistently score goals, mm-hmm. and that's what it looks like he's, he's, he's going to be doing for us. Another lad who's, who's come into the team and impressed kind of out of nowhere, Lewis O'Brien, uh, the young midfielder. So you've got a smile on your face just from the mention of his name. Yeah, phenomenal, hasn't he? Yeah, I've been, I've been amazed with, with Lewis. Obviously, I've, 
I've not. I don't see a lot of, of the junior games, and mm. but I've, I've always heard a lot, a lot about him. Uh, and I, quite, I knew quite a few Bradford fans last year, and I, I got. I was getting news about how good a, uh, the performances they were doing at, at Bradford la- last year, and obviously Bradford really struggled. But they all, all of them said what what a, a shining start Lewis was, and they, they were hoping they were going to going to keep him. Uh, but obviously we we had other ideas and. And he's coming, and I, and I've been amazed. His work rate is is, is un- unbelievable. You you, you see Og, Oggy's work rate and and mm. that the defensive side, and then you've got Lewis all the way up and down the the field, and he covers so, some yardage. I love to know his his miles per per, per game, and, and he, I know he's a young lad, and he say, I should be able to do that, but he does cover some ground, and he's always there for the ball as as well. And I've got to admit, when we we lost Aaron Moy, you're thinking who's going to be able to replace him, but Lewis has done absolutely brilliant, and it's the biggest credit I can give to compare him with, with Aaron Moy because he's yeah. always there for the wanting the ball, and he's always around working hard, both attacking and defensively. Brilliant. And so, what, what's your day-to-day role now, Andy, at the club? What, what's your sort of your everyday look like? Oh, good, good question. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bit of everything, actually. Uh, I work with sports services. We. Which we we run the uh, the uh, annual bike ride, pedal for pounds, mm-hmm. which is obviously a charity bike ride for the Yorkshire Ambulance and the the town town foundations. And uh, we work with obviously all, all the sport supporter groups. Being another meeting with proud terriers this uh, this this more morning. Uh, other local charities as well. It's just a bit a bit of everything really, but thoroughly enjoy my role. Obviously, being part of of the club that I've supported all. And, and played for all my life. I'm I'm, I'm very lucky. So I ju- I just enjoy every day coming in. And you've got an event coming up on on Friday night as well, being reunited with a with a couple of old teammates. Yes, I'm lo- looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a good night because uh, look thinking about you and Robertson and, and Ife. Uh, they were just a little bit older than me. We were, and I used to clean you and Ewan's boots. Uh, so it'd be nice to. To, and I, I just looked up to him and always wanted to, to follow in his footsteps because he scored 30, what, 34, 35 goals one season. Mm. And I beat him in, uh, I would in the juniors, and I think I scored 37 goals that season. So we had a little bit of a competition between us. It was nice uh, going against you, Ewan, but it'd be great to see him. Ewan and Ify, great, great blokes. Stuart, we all know what a great great footballer Stuart won. It was just a pity that we, we couldn't play together. Mm. Everybody back then wanted us after the Bristol Rovers. Uh, 94-95 uh, playoff final all what seeing me and Stewie together and unfortunately we couldn't the only way Marcus could have come was to sell me and that, and, <laughs> and that's what happened but yeah. great striker great great football all round all round player uh, so it'll be good to, good to see him and, and then going back to Duncan Shearer uh, I watched Duncan at the old stadium uh, came in and I think with his first two, definitely two games, or his first three games, scored hat tricks. Uh, and for striker to come in and and do that, uh, it's it's a fantastic achievement. So it'd be nice to see what Duncan said. Say I've never met him before, but obviously I used to admire him from from a distance. And what what do the fans sort of have in store? The ones who are coming down to see the event on Friday, they'll have a thoroughly enjoyable night. Uh, I say this for in the last what thirty years, they'd five, five years. They've probably seen the best strikers that that Huddersfield had, apart from a, a few of the latest ones. I know you mentioned Carlo. <laughs> looking back, Jordan Rhodes wasn't about bad enough, bad enough either. But you'll have a good night. Be, I'm sure some stories will, will come out. Fantastic. So thanks for joining us on Utubia. If you enjoyed it, please tell a friend, and we'll see you next time. Utubia, Utubia.